dispatches from Planet Funk. This is the Aced Out Podcast, dedicated to all whom the man tried to ace out by profiting from the soul without stopping to give props to the prophets of soul. Mm, yeah, that's right. This is Ace Allen. Sometimes they call me Barack Wayne. And they still call me Allen from time to time. And we're brought to you by the letter P. And sponsored by Pete. P-E-T-E. Otherwise known as... People for the Ethical Treatment of Ear Holes. Everybody here, everybody in this room is Funkanaut Fam Affiliated. Because Funk is spelled fun with a K. That's why they pronounce it funky. Isn't that right, Jay? Mm-hmm, brother. You My didn't brother think, voice. <laughs> you didn't think I could do it, did you? <laughs> I, had, I had faith. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's been a really long uh, hiatus this time, or sometimes they call it an I hiatus. But we love each other. Um, we haven't been here for three months, and a lot of things have happened. Um, you guys, our world has been wrecked. Our world has been shocked Shut because down. we lost a funk shoulder, a funk soldier, excuse me. Patrick Owens, brother PJ Stone. First bass player and then guitar player for the Funkonauts and our good friend. We were just talking about him in the last episode, Jay. Mm-hmm. He was doing good. He had a brand new car. Yeah. And the brother left us. This is the brother that I've played alongside with, the brother who I've watched play. He can play bass like, he can play the jam by Larry Graham on the bass. And he can play Maggot Brain on the guitar, just like Eddie Hazel. And we oh, did man. play that live. Whatever, you know, that's right, whatever funk song or any song, he played the part just like the cat who wrote it. He was basically kind of like the wizard of the band, right? Yeah, like the godfather of the funk. Basically like the funk wizard. And, you know, we don't have a lot of closure with this, you guys. We're still kind of, you know, we're kind of in disbelief about the whole thing. Hang with us. I want you guys to listen to the outro of this show because we have a lot to say about Brother P, about Patrick Owens. And we want to shout out his family and friends. And so to be continued, all right? Let's stick a pin in that, Jay. All right. And for now, we're going to continue with the business at hand. We are back, and we have finally interviewed your fam, Jay Stone. Yes, sir. Wayne Foote, some of that foot funk foot from funk. the band Slave. What we're talking about is a man by the name of Wayne Foote, currently residing in San Francisco. He grew up in Daly City, so he's a local boy. And he's Jay, what is he, your, your, your uncle, your cousin, My Jay Stone? My cousin, uncle, nephew, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Now, um, we just talked to Wayne. He was a member of Slave, but he joined later on, and he told us all about that. We had a very rambunctious interview with uh, Wayne. He was singing. He was probably dancing. I'm sure. And he was just loving life. He probably woke up the neighbors, I think, a couple times, because he was really getting down. Um, Slave, that's one of uh, actually Jay Stone's favorite bands. Um, that's a band that came out of Daytona, Ohio. So Daytona, that has a big, big footprint in the funk, right, Jay Stone? They got, um, well, Roger Troutman. You got uh, Lakeside. It's a whole Ohio players, you know, Daytona, the band Daytona, Heat Wave. 
yeah. all these great acts. And Slave is just one of the tip top of them. Uh, came out, of course, with the debut Slave with the big hit Slide. Everybody knows Slide. Funkin' House used to play Slide. Yeah. And uh, they came out with that album. They had a few other albums after that. Uh, didn't have as many big hits, but they still were just keeping the funk, uh, keeping the funk proper. Uh, Jay Stone in Ricky Vincent's book History of Funk. Yeah. He describes Slave in this way. He says, with bottom-heavy, jazzy, and often humorous flavors oozing through the band's inexplicable yet ice-cold rhythm notions, Slave was a monster funk band in every sense of the phrase. And the band was formed by a guy named Stevie Washington, who's the nephew of Kiwi from Ohio Players. Okay. It also featured Mark, Mr. Mark Adams, who we talked about a lot on bass. He passed away in 2011. Also no longer with us is Drac, Dracula on guitar. Yes. He also passed away in 2011. And uh, Danny Webster. Danny Webster is no longer with us in just September of 2020, this year, Jay Stone. Wow. Uh, Danny Webster left the earth as well. So a lot of these brothers, um, they're not with us anymore. Uh, Stevie Washington himself, he said, with funk, there are no rules. You can put jazz with it, country with it, you can put classical with it, whatever the hell you feel. That's all we are saying. Uh, like I said, Jay Stone was a big fan of the funk. When they got from the 70s into the 80s, Slave, they were kind of making a change where they, I guess they wanted, it sounded like they wanted to be a little bit more poppy, a little more uh, R&B kind of flavor, even right. though they still had that funk. And so Wayne, he kind of joined the band during that period, right? Yeah. Um, they actually found him, we'll talk all about it, they found him somehow in Daly City. Now they're in Ohio. But they recruited him to be the new lead singer to replace who? Steve Arrington, Jay Stone. Wow, that's heavy, dude. And that's your man, Wayne Foote. We had a great interview with him, so you guys don't touch that. I don't know. What is it, a dial? Foot a mouse funk. pad? I don't know. <laughs> Stay there because we're going we're gonna to give you the interview soon. Let me just uh, get some house cleaning out the way. Now, Jay, we haven't been back online for a while, but we're coming back with a vengeance. Sounds kind of aggro. Maybe we're, we're coming back peacefully with a peace sign, but they say coming back with a vengeance. Um, our next guest, I can even announce right now. I'm usually too shy to announce it, but okay. I can announce him right now, Jay. Okay. Our next guest is Shirley Hayden. Shirley from Hayden. From Parlette, Jay Stone. Oh, the P-Funketeer herself. Wow. She's living in Detroit, Michigan. I've talked to her a couple times. Very nice lady. Uh. I talked to her when she was cooking uh, some Thanksgiving uh, turkey for her fam. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll be talking to Shirley Hayden for our New Year's um, episode. So just a few weeks, we'll be talking to Shirley. Sweet. Can't wait for that. Also, we're going to be talking to a woman by the name of Sweet LD. You remember Oaktown 357? Yeah. Uh, it's a rap group actually discovered by MC Hammer. And they have some banging hits from back in the uh, right. 80s, early 90s. Sweet LD. Okay. So that's two women guests that we're going to have on, Jay Stone. That's sick. And both of those guests were brought to us by Chocolate from Graham Central Station. All right. Chocolate is an ally. Chocolate is a co-producer of Aced Out Podcast. She got us these guests. Yeah. We're also, of course, going to do an entire episode on Brother P, on Patrick Owens, our Funkanaut soldier. We're going to do a whole episode on him coming up in January 2021. Dope. 
We're gonna do an episode with Monster. Monster is a hip hop uh, guy from the Bay Area who I've been friends with for about 20 years now, one of my best buddies. He's the guy that got us the studio where we've done most of the Ace Out podcast with Nick over on Grand Avenue, uh, Cardin Audio. Shout out to Nick and to Monster. Mm-hmm. Monster's gonna do an episode where he's gonna help us analyze some funk by Shuggy Otis. Dope. And uh, comparing that with Sly Stones, there's a riot going on. He has some okay. theory on that, so we're gonna hang out and talk about that. Sweet. Um, remember Emily Palin, Emily Palin from Nitrous M1. She was just on our show. She's working on getting us a guest, a mystery guest. I'm too nervous to announce right oh, now. Wow. But another uh, icon who is a woman. Dope. Uh, J Dub is still in the cut. Remember J Dub? He was also in Parlet. Do you remember J Dub used to be Shirley Hayden's boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I didn't want to say. I kind of forgot. I remember that. when I seen the name, I was like, yeah, "Oh!" But she reminded me. But I guess it's all good, you know. Water under the bridge and all that. Word. But J Dub, he's still the P Funketeer extraordinaire and our producer as well. He's been out there getting people to do these deep dives. People have been binge watching. I have anecdotal evidence that uh, people have been binge watching uh, Aced Out lately, Jay Stone, Man. all over. And I've been seeing online. Well. And a big part of that is J Dub uh, promoting the show. J Dub, shout out. He's also in Detroit. Okay. Okay, I wanted to share something with you. Uh, I'm sorry, share something with our listeners. I already shared it with you, Jay Stone. Now, as I say, sometimes people, they discover our show later. Mm-hmm. They don't discover it right when we put it out. What's exactly what I want. Our show is like a time capsule. You don't have to listen to it now. You can listen to it a year from now, five years from now. Now, uh, this cat by the name of, I know you know him, Mark Hayes. Oh, yeah. From Oakland. Yes, sir. He sent us a really great message about episode 10. Our tribute, our memorial to the late, great Willie Wilde from Graham Central Station. And I wanted to read that to the folks, Jay Stone. Oh, cool. So he told us, Ace Allen, Jay, and Patrice. That's chocolate from Graham Central Station. Excellent episode on Willie. This is Mark Hayes. I'm so thankful you all did this. Willie recruited me when I was 16 to play bass in the Wild Bunch, and he taught me so much about funk. We had some great times together and lots of memories. I was in tears listening to the podcast just recently. I miss it when he originally aired, but I just wanted to thank you for doing such a fine tribute. Much love. Isn't that great? Man, that's dope. And that's why we do this. As you know, Jay Stone, every time we do an episode, I always want to quit. I always say this is our last episode. It's too stressful. I hate preparing it. Ah! (laughs) I have a meltdown every time we do post-production. (laughs) <laughs> that keeps me going and getting that message I saw that message early in the morning yeah. I shared it with you and Chocolate so, thank you brother thanks, and Mark. thank all of you for listening that's exactly what we want to do you know some of these podcasts are just BS a bunch of people talking screwing around we touch people people's hearts out here Jason yeah. that's what we want to do it's all about the funk we're funk soldiers this is a public service is what we're doing here right I believe it that's right Episode 12, our previous episode with Emily Palin, that was very well received. I was nervous about that. A little bit of an eclectic guest for us. You guys, listen to our live performance with Emily. Myself, Emily on violin, Jay Stone on guitar, all three of us singing. We do Time for Living, that classic song, that classic Sly Stone song. The three of us do Time for Living on episode 12. You can even uh, skip ahead to that if you just want to hear our song. It's an hour and 38 minutes into the episode. Then I want you to go right back and listen to the interview. It's a great interview with Emily Palin, the virtuoso violinist. 
Uh, that episode was difficult, man. Um, that's when we had those wildfires, Jay Stone. Oh, man. I had my I... nebulizer machine. It sounds like a vacuum cleaner. I mean, a jackhammer, <laughs> you know, helping me breathe in there. That's also when we had the orange sky. We debuted that September 6th. You remember when the sky was orange in California? Yeah. That was yeah. scary. And I wasn't sun... living at home at that point. I was. That's in right. Tent. You were living in the tent. That was a whole stressful period, but we made it through together. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to everybody. Uh, shout out to Scott Shepard. My boy Scott Shepard um, donated some funds to help get this get this uh, episode over the finish line. Jay Stone. Niceness. Thank you, Scott. We got our home curl Debbie JJ Debbie Jew in the house. She took our picture. I hope she didn't get my nose hairs. She's about four feet tall, so I trimmed my <laughs> nose hairs before we started. I think she got some good pictures. Uh, this is a beautiful studio that we're in. My boy Nick, he couldn't he couldn't handle us. He couldn't take the business. He's so busy busy these days. So we're here at Soul Graffiti, putting graffiti on your soul. And my boy Alex is behind the board. And he did a really great job, and he's still doing a great job now. As usual, I want to shout everybody out, give everybody love, Jay Stone. Our listeners out there, people are still listening to us more and more all over. In California, Los Angeles, Jay Stone. Mm -hmm. San Francisco, Lancaster, Fremont. Yeah. Yorba Linda in California, Jay Stone. Yes. All across the U.S., we got listeners in Washington State, listeners in Oregon. Yeah. We got listeners in Illinois. Chicago. Listeners in Arkansas. Yeah. Wisconsin, Jay Stone, Colorado, Missouri, wow. Massachusetts. People listen to Ace Out Podcast in Tennessee. They love it in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I want to apologize, Jay Stone, to everybody in Georgia. Last time I told Georgia to get their act together. Yeah. And they got their act together. They, they did, did what I, I told them to what? do. So, Georgia, we love you again. You're all good, Georgia. <laughs> and people listen to us big time there. People in Minnesota. That's not how you say it, Jay Stone. You're supposed to help me with that. People in Minnesota say it. <laughs> I should have drank a Minnesota. Um, let's see who else. We yeah, got people man. in Biloxi, Biloxi, Biloxi Mississippi. Mississippi. People in Ohio and Alabama. Jay Stone. Man. New Hampshire. Everywhere. Virginia. Mm-hmm. North Carolina. Nevada. People in Texas. People in Florida. Wow. People in Pennsylvania. People in Michigan. What's up, everybody? Did you know that there's a place called Peru, Indiana? I had no idea. Some guy named Vincent Diesel, not Vin Diesel, yeah. but Vincent D- Diesel in Peru, Indiana. Mm. Um, Kentucky, Iowa, Jay Stone, Baton Rouge, people yeah. listen to us there. People in New Jersey, people in New, uh, New York, yeah. West Virginia, and Kansas. We're not in Kansas anymore, though, Jay Stone, no. because you know what? I forgot to mention this last time. I was showing off so much, and I was talking Japanese last time. Uh-huh. So I forgot our other international um, listeners. You know, we have people listening to us in Romania. Romania. What do you think about that? What? The Romania. Travels. What? People in Congo, people in Armenia, people in Turkey, people in Sierra, Sierra Leone. They're so good to me, That's Jay Stone. Up, people in Nigeria. Albania? Man. People in El Salvador. Granada, Portugal, all these listeners, they're so, they're so, <laughs> they're so good to me. Listeners in Spain and Ghana. Yeah. 
Toronto, Jamaica, Cuba, Brazil. They're all, they're so, they're so. <laughs> I like this song. There's lots of listeners in France, always France, in uh, Germany, Jason. Yeah, Stone. man. But did you know that we have a lot of listeners in Mexico now? I didn't know that. Yeah, I noticed that. They've been ticking up in okay. Mexico. And of course, Japan. We always have all those listeners in Japan. That's right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for shouting us out. I'm always going to give you a shout out back. You know, you can listen to us on Stitcher. If you don't want to listen to us on acedoutpodcast.com, you got Stitcher, you got Spotify, Jay Stone, we're on mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts. Dope. We're on Overcast. And we're also, we added one, Jay Stone. We're on Ooh. something called Tune In. Tune In. Welcome, Tune In to the Aced Out Podcast family. Yes. But you know the place to go. You got to go to where, Jay Stone? Acedoutpodcast.com. How did you know that? Today. A C E D O U T P O D C A S T dot com. Did you hear what my boy just said? Right Don't now. go there tomorrow. Right now. Don't go next week. Right now. Right now. Now, that's where you can see the beautiful pictures of our handsome faces. At least one of us is handsome. (laughs) Figure out which one. (laughs) (laughs) And you can see pictures of the beautiful studio we're in. Yeah. Soul Graffiti, y'all. They teach the kids at Soul Graffiti. Did you know this place is powered by bicycle power? This Man. whole place. They got those bikes, you know, you store up the battery, uh, the battery pack, Jay Stone. I've been you know that technology? I'm pedaling right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. I got asthma, so I couldn't pedal myself. All right, quit messing around. This is a serious show. You guys, listen to the outro. We're going to give a tribute. We're going to give a tribute to our boy, Brother P. Let's get to the interview. Wayne Foote. This guy's got a lot of energy. I like this guy. Yeah. I like your boy. You got some good family. Right on, man. The word is out, Jay Stone. Word is out. You see what I did there? (laughs) That's a song, you know, um, your brother uh, from another mother, Wayne Foote, he basically, that's his whole album is, um, what's the album called? Uh, New Plateau by Slave. Yeah. He basically sings on almost every song. There's a lot of good songs in there. No doubt. Let's check out the word is out, and then we'll get to this interview. Is that okay with you? I'm with it. Okay, let me fix my eyebrows. (laughs) All right, I'm ready. The word is out, everybody. Thank you. 
Hey, Wayne, was it your birthday recently? It was my birthday last Wednesday. Hey, happy oh, birthday. Thank you, man. How I'm old? 58. Oh, happy birthday, happy man. Happy birthday, brother. <laughs> That's beautiful. I feel, I feel 38, though. <laughs> you feel 38? I do. You look 28. <laughs> you look well, 28. That is a recent. Those three picks are recent in my room where I'm sitting right now. Those are, are like done a couple months ago, like oh, a you, month ago. Oh, you look handsome, man. You're looking good, taking care of yourself and all that. Hey, well, the thing is, man, as I was an alcoholic for a few decades and uh, every 4th of July, so I got 11 years already. Not, not, a, not a sip of alcohol. So that, 11 that years? in my way. 11 yep. years? That makes a big yeah. difference on your life, huh? It does, man. It, it got in the way of my music career. Mm. It really did. How I so? How you know, so? I couldn't focus. Right. Right. Yeah. So were you like you know, a... It had me, go ahead. Were you like a day drinker, you're saying? Like you'd bring the bottle into the session? Or like, what, what are we talking about? No, I mean, I was a casual drinker at first, like in my teenage years. Mm -hmm. when I used to party with uh, baseball Nat. That's Jason's brother. Wait, what did you call Nat him? Collins. Jason's Nat brother's Collins. baseball Nat? Big baseball, <laughs> big bat baseball Nat. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you call him baseball Nat? <laughs> because our friend Eddie Macon, who died about 10 years ago, we love him with all our heart. He, uh -huh. He's a guy who I, I modeled myself after. He was the funniest guy we knew, and he used to call... Nat, you know, baseball bat Nat, because if he getting mad at you, he didn't really need a baseball bat. He scared everybody on the planet. But if he had a, just imagine him with a baseball bat. So he called him baseball bat Nat, the best security in the world. <laughs> and that's, and that's uh, yo, everybody at home, we're talking about uh, Jay Stone's brother, his older brother, Nat Collins, out there in Georgia. Hey, your, your people are from, or uh, your father's from Jamaica? My mom and dad, God bless their souls, were born in Jamaica. I was born in Kingston, Jamaica. Oh, both your mom and dad. And you were born mm. in Kingston, Jamaica? I was born in Jamaica, too. I came here when I was two years old. Wow. Wow. To, Wall to Waller Street. Then we moved to Scott Street and then Golden Gate Avenue. And then we moved to Daly City. Because my family was uh, incredibly hard workers, but... My dad and mom, they're party animals on the weekend, so all the Jamaican people would come over playing dominoes. Give him a beer, man. Make sure about your blood patching up And they played Bob Marley. They played Linton Quesse Johnson. They played Third World. I hear reggae constantly, so dominoes and reggae music and white drum mind. I got turned on to Still Pulse from you. Still Pulse? Yeah. From that one of those albums, man. When my brother lived in San Jose. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's cool. Yeah, Steel Pulse is great, man. Yeah. Hey, speaking speaking of baseball bat, speaking of baseball bat Nat, baseball bat Nat told me that you sang, uh, what song was it? You sang Lately at Westmore High in Daly City. He said you brought the house down like in a talent show or something. Do you remember what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I used to be a dancer in a group with Tommy Jacobs called the Master Locks. And, you know, right, Jay I was always like a... You're on that show really Dance Party, right? You're on Dance Party, right? On that, that show? He told me you were on it one time. You'll see me. I'm age uh, 14 on there. 
age 14? Yeah, it's, it's on there. If you look up Jay Payton, so it's the only and what were uh, you, show. What were your signature I moves? Think, well, I was just being taught by Tommy Jacobs. He was teaching me how to lock. I was just getting out of doing the splits. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we practiced there. And, you know, I did a lot of dancing at first. And then I sung at Westmore High School. I realized I could sing. I started singing to Stevie Wonder and learning his stuff when I was like 14 years old. So I sung lately a cappella with no music. And I did bring oh. the house down. It was crazy. Wow. wow. Let me ask you this. How did you wind up getting into Slave is what I'm trying to figure out because you grew up in Daly City, right? So Slave, that's, yeah. that's like an Ohio, that's like a Dayton, Ohio thing. It is. And I can I can reel this off for you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, please. A friend of mine named Ron McGee who lived down the street. Mm -hmm. So he he introduced me to this girl named Benita. She was really pretty, man. And then she introduced me to these other really pretty girls named Kim who had two sisters, and they were looking for somebody to produce their a song for them. Uh. And I was going to do that, and so I went to their house, Kim's house. And uh, I started singing and showing her the parts. And she said, uh, nah, we don't want you to produce us. And I'm like, what? They said, nah, we want Mark to hear you. And I'm like, Mark who? Uh -huh. And she said, Mark Adams. I said, Mark Adams Whoa. from Slay? <laughs> How did they know and him? She said, she said, that's my husband. Oh. I didn't know, I didn't know this. This was in Pacifica. Damn. Well, that's so. So is he living in Pacifica or... No, he was in Ohio, but she said, we don't want you to produce us because we want you to be the new lead singer for Slave. Trap. And I'm thinking, these chicks, they're crazy. You know, we're all drinking. You yeah, know, you're right, right, like, right. And those, not, we weren't drinking at that, you know, when I was teaching them how to do music at all. In fact, it wasn't like a party like that. I was trying to really develop them into a musical act. And so, so they you heard me sing, and they said, no. Nah, we we need you to replace Stevie Arrington. I was like, you must be out your mind. Steve so, Arrington replacement. Oh my god. So wait a second. So you were more of a producer before? Is that what you're saying? Like before? No, I was just starting to write my music because uh, Darren Jones was like my bass player, and I was in a band. And then I decided he's a great friend of mine. And he Who's played that? Bass, and he was the leader of the band called Master Funk, Darren Master, Jones. Master Funk, Darren Jones. And I quit the band. I told him face to face, I want to write my own songs and pursue producing artists and producing myself. And so I ended up at this girl's house with her sisters. Mm -hmm. And I went home. And about a week later, uh, I was cooking some, you know, some pancakes upstairs. And, you know, at my mom and dad's house in Daly City, and the doorbell rang. Uh-huh. And I, and I opened the door, and it was Mark Adams. Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay, so that made a believer out of me. And now, instead of fainting, I, uh, it was, instead of fainting, I started, I said, I started singing for him. Right. I, I, I did this. I went, Sugar mama girl, you know you're mighty fine. Uh. In making you God took his time. <laughs> Got the patience for me, you're so kind. Ooh. And your kisses are sweeter than wine. And he, I mean, he dropped to the floor physically. <laughs> he couldn't believe it. And he was with uh, Kim's brother. His name is si uh her name was Kim Simon. I can't remember his his first name. 
mm-hmm. was the Simon brother. And then I started singing in Danny Webster's voice because he's like my musical hero also. Right. My singing hero. I went like, thank you for the love you gave when our time was there. You were there, giving me all you had. And then he fell down again. <laughs> and I said, come on. I said, come inside, guys. And I got him a beer. Yeah. And I started singing Stevie Wonder for him. And then he said, man, Kim wasn't bullshit, right? She was like, like Wow. Right, so he gave me his number and said, "Man, I want you to send me a demo." And I knew it was Mark Adams because I have like all their albums in my room up on the wall. And I mean, I, right. I I'm surprised I didn't faint because when he left, I hit the floor. I couldn't believe it. And so <laughs> I sent them a twenty-song demo. Really? And twenty yeah, songs with my yeah with a friend of mine named Gordon Smith. I learned that you know I met him through this other girl named Celia at College of San Mateo, and we were a great songwriting team, man. We were like the system. Mm-hmm. But we hadn't gotten a record deal yet at all, actually, because what happened was this guy named John Gibson, um, he's a white guy who sings like Stevie Wonder, he stole Gordon from me, and then uh. I ended up joining, becoming the lead singer of Slave. So... So what anyway, did Mark Adams called me yeah. about a month later mm-hmm. and he, and he sounded like Yoda. I mean, he was like, you know how Alan, how you sounded earlier. I couldn't quite hear you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like 3d, like way back, like one D like way back there. And he goes, and foot, foot funk. Cause that's like my nickname, right? Foot funk. Yeah. He goes, foot funk, Wayne foot. Is this Wayne foot? And I said, yeah, he goes, Hey man, you was a bad dude, man. I want you to be the new league singer for Slave. And that almost had a heart attack. Wow. <laughs> that must have been amazing, like, man. Like I was in my room in Daly City and Slave Slave's leader, basically, because Mark became the leader. So he when was the leader. Washington left. Mm-hmm. Mark was the leader of the group and Okay. So he, that's what happened. How old were you at that time? At that time, how old were you right then? I was 19 years old. Still living with your folks? Yeah. Now, so what did that entail? So did you move to Ohio? Did you move to Dayton? Or where was it based out of? So so here was the offer. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, go kind ahead. of a pun here. I had a vision of the lights, like I'm going to be a star. That was, that was the name of their album at the time, Vision of the Lights. Mm-hmm. And Mark actually gave me a 45 called Come to Blow Your Mind. And he handed me the 45 from the album Visions of the Lights, where Danny Webster was the lead singer. And right. he said, I got a one-way ticket for you. <laughs> and I'll give you $200 a week. $200 a week? 200 bucks a week. No, $150 a week. And what, then what year is I this? an apartment for you. What year is this? This is 1982. 1982. In the, uh, winter. $200 bucks a week in an apartment. Yeah. Oh, in the winter. <laughs> right? It was a winter because I was 19 and my birthday is December 2nd. Right. And I was going to fly to Dayton, Ohio in January or February of... I, I believe it was February of of uh, nineteen 
83. Mm -hmm. And so my dad is, my dad is like, don't go mad at him. Dad, are you crazy? Is it like joining Prince or the Jackson five? <laughs> why, what did you know about music? What did you Why would your dad tell you not to go? I mean, it's a real legitimate offer. Yeah, because man, my dad, he's just like, you need a haircut and you need to, <laughs> you know, you know how parents are, man. <laughs> they didn't want me to go. They, they love me. I'm the only child. And they're like, you're going to Ohio. We, we, we know you just graduated out of high school. We don't want you to leave the country. <laughs> right. <laughs> leave the country. <laughs> so I said, I got to do this, man. This is like joining Jimi Hendrix as a lead singer. Right, right. So check this out, fellas. This is very really exciting. You're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. Go ahead. So I went, I left, and Darren Jones and my dad took me to the airport. Darren was the like, bass player and my, one of my best friends from our first band, Master Funk. Mm -hmm. And they, they saw me off. And my mom gave me all these pots and pans and skillets and all this stuff. You cook now, <laughs> boy. Make sure you cook. <laughs> and take care of yourself. So I got to Ohio, and guess who was at the airport when I got off of the plane? Who? Slave was nowhere in sight. <laughs> I saw Roger Troutman was standing another hero of mine. Oh, now. where? He was waiting. Whoa. When you walk off the plane. Wow. And you recognize and he has him. nothing to do with slave, man. Right. He's our nemesis. They both live in Dayton, Ohio. Right. You were competition, right? He is, and we actually had a competition, best band, Slave versus Roger Troutman and Zap. I could tell you about that a little later in the interview, but You could tell us about that right now. Uh, okay, well, I walked up to Roger and I and he started walking towards me. And I said, Roger Trauma, he said, who are you, man? He knew, I was, he knew who I was. Right. And so I said, Wayne Foote, New League singer, and slave. Oh. Right? And he goes, good luck, man. I wish you the best, man. And he shook my hand and gave me like a hug, man. Mm. This was unbelievable to me. Like Roger Trautman, bro. Right. <laughs> and he was by himself. And so, make a long story short, man, I took a cab. I called Mark. And he's like, who is this? I'm like, who is this? This is Foot, man. You're me scared. Where are you guys? <laughs> I said, man, I'm going to join Zach as a lead singer. Who do you think you guys are? <laughs> so I'll never forget this, man. Uh, I took a, a cab to Salem yeah. Avenue, and there was a McDonald's right there, and it was like snowing, man. Mm. And he showed up about an hour after that. And took me to my little apartment. It was a block down, the a couple blocks down the street. And you know, I got in there, got some wild Irish rose, yeah. and I had a TV in there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it, man. Here I am. So that was me living in Dayton, Ohio. I lived there for the next year. Now, slave rehearsals. Let's get into that for a minute. Yeah, let me hear about that. Um, these rehearsals were. Extremely intense. Now, let me tell you this. I drank and stuff, but this was not a party for me. I had songs to learn. Mm -hmm. And I had to, like, form with this band. Yeah. And get a cohesion, like, become, like, get a chemistry. Yeah. And so I would drink after practice. 
Right. But everybody in the band smoked weed. I smoked weed. You know, we smoked some weed, but um, I didn't really smoke weed before, you know, gigs. And I mean, uh-huh. our practice. And we let me tell you something, man. We would practice Monday through Friday, eight hours a day. Whoa. And, I mean, there was no breaks. Yeah. Wow. If you had a cold, if you didn't feel good, sorry, you're going to watch what we do. If you, you sit to the side. Yeah. And the the practices were incredible. First of all, Danny Webster, uh, he had like these Marshall amps uh-huh. that were like a whole room, the whole wall, like from the floor up to about 15 feet. Damn. Like about 15 Marshall amps, like 20 <laughs> Marshall amps. Mm-hmm. That's on the right side. Then Sick. you got... Mark Adams and he's playing too, like whatever the amps are for a bass. On the left side. Yeah, right. Then we then we got like a fifteen piece drum kit, and Ronnie Cochran was our drummer at that time. He died a few years later, but mm. they would give me per diem, and then on the weekends we'd have that to ourselves. And there was this guy named Big Al. He was so sweet. And he had a van, and he would drive me around. And one day at practice, before I walked in, man, I thought I was listening to Mike Hampton from Funkadelic. Wow. Right? And I walked in, and there was this guy on this little pig nose amp, man. And it was Drac. Wow. And I almost had a heart attack, man. This whole experience was just extremely overwhelming for me. But, you know... I absorbed it and I lived it. And mm-hmm. Drac and I, he became my best friend. I was going to ask you that. So did you, did you, who did you click with the most, Drac? I clicked with Drac, man. He took me to meet his dad. He took me to where Slater had first formed in his mom and dad's house in the garage. He said, this is where wow. I started foot. Wow. So you, you know, and then he would play me Steve Washington's music. He was working with Civil Attack. Wow. You know, and Drac, and he was a sometimer with Slay because Danny Webster, he hated Drac, man. He didn't like Drac. Why? Well, I don't know if this, he wanted to hog up all the, the guitar, you know, or get all the glory, but Danny would have his bouts with jealousy in different areas as a vocalist and as a guitarist. And you said he Dan- would call Drac the, the stinkster. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> Jack was kind of funky, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Not the funk funk, but the funk funk. Oh, man. Damn. And Jack was funny because Jack, he was just giving you this smile and he looked like Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> and he had this old, dirty, like, you know, these Superfly jackets, these max, maxi jackets. Right. Yeah, uh-huh. And, and, and 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 you know he, I walked in there, man. And he was it was him on a pig nose amp. He was ripping it, man. They were playing slide. Nice, damn right. Which we 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 opened up our shows with that. But a little bit more down the road, uh, they said that Floyd Miller, who was an integral part of, of Slave, he's one of your three original members. Mm-hmm. Okay, that. Are, we're, right. He's the only one that's alive. Right. Out of Mark, Danny recently passed away. 
That's uh, right. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. On 9/11. Yeah, just but, the past September. That's right, Danny Webster. Rest in peace. And I found, yeah, I found that out, man. And I was, this, this is like, this is terrible. Mark Adams, Drac. They're all gone. Yeah. You know, yeah, and Danny and Floyd is the only one of the three that I was with. That's original. There's other originals left, but right. Anyway, so Floyd came up to me and he's like, "Hey, Foot, hey, we're having a competition with Roger Troutman, man, and Zap." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> yeah, man, it's gonna be in Columbus. We're not gonna play though. We just gotta wear tuxes." And then we went to Columbus, Ohio, and we had like it was just like a thousand people, about six hundred people there. Mm-hmm. And they had a vote. Who's the funkiest band? And y'all and, didn't play. And you don't believe who won? Who won? Why did Charlie and Zap? They had that slamming funky dance floor funk. Was it? Was it a club? Was they playing music? It was more like a concert hall. Okay. So what like do you a mean? Mini concert hall. But they were just the people. playing the tracks while you you guys they stood up there. They were playing Zap. Oh, got it. Music, okay. Such a love. Oh, got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that Zap will get you. They had a vote. Right. And they, they beat Slave, but it was still fun. They they started videotaping us like like they videotaped the event. I wish they whoever did this would put put it out on YouTube. But oh hell yeah! The, oh my god, I'd love to see that. They pushed me out to the front, and I was dancing. You know, they treated me like Michael Jackson, Slave. Nice, man. <laughs> That's fresh, man. Hey, let, let's soak up some of that vibe. Let's get some of that vibe going. How about we listen to a little bit of uh, Stepping Out? Let's listen okay. to Stepping Out. Uh, Alex, let's hit that. Yeah. Ooh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Here we go. <laughs> Don't step out too long, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight will be so special. <laughs> I love that. From the Bad Enough album, 1983. Yes, the first album. That's Danny. That's Danny? Yeah. But that's my part. Shine. Don't you really want to dance with me? 
You still got it, man. And let me ask you, um, did you say that was the first song you co-wrote? Um, yes. But you didn't get credit, huh? No, I got credit on that song. Oh, you did? Okay, okay. Yeah. Now, Jimmy Douglas, I can't, I, I do not, I will never like him. Who's that? And I'm going to tell you why. Who's that? Jimmy Douglas. Jimmy Douglas was a producer on uh-huh. many slave albums, he produced this album, Bad Enough, and the New Plateau album. And you'll never like him. Why is that? No, because because he did not credit me for about seven songs that I wrote in the span of those two albums. Mm. And that is not cool. Um, we would all get in a room and sing and juggle ideas. Floyd Miller, Mark Adams, Danny Webster, Wayne Foote, Jimmy Douglas. And Eugene Jackson sung on a lot of the songs on the Bad Enough album. He was a bass player for a group called Quasar. Right. Quasar is wonderful. I love Quasar. Right. So he was really a bass player for Jerome Bigfoot Braley's band wow. called Quasar. Right. Wow. Okay. And he is such a sweetheart. He's really a nice guy. And yeah. he helped out on the Bad Enough album. He didn't tour with us at all. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy Douglas handpicked him. And he deserves all the credit he got for the songs, but there are songs that I wrote on that first, helped to write on the first album, like Dance. You know, I call it, Why Are You Always In My Room? Oh, yeah, that song's dope, too, yeah. You know, and, I mean, give credit where credit's due, but anyhow, that's how we did songs. We'd all get together in the room, have a couple of drinks, and that was as far as that one, maybe a little herb. And then we would write for hours mm. to instrumental music. And listening to this instrumental music by Slave was an experience within itself. It was so heartwarming and so really beautiful to hear these Slave songs in musical form before you would form your words and your vocal ideas. Mm. Right. So, so stepping out... That is an accurate depiction of what we did. It was my entrance into the music business. Mark Adams, Danny Webster, Floyd Miller, Wayne Foote wrote on that song. Sweet. Now, Jimmy Douglas would take a lot of credit for songs he didn't write, like uh, especially on the new Plateau album, like Easy Loving You. I co-wrote that. Right. That's a great song. Thank you. And Keith Nash was a great friend of mine. He was a drummer for Slave after Ronnie Cochran died. He became a drummer and lead vocalist for Slave. He did about five albums with Slave. Mm-hmm. New, New Plateau and a bunch of other albums. Now, there was a demo 
that Mark Adams gave me a whole bunch of slave music, and the demo was Steve Arrington on drums. Steve Arrington on drums. Lonely Girls. Wow. All right, and I wrote all the lead vocals for that, and then Keith Ash sung it on one of those albums, like. Um, right, that came Ishaban, out. Uh, the Bond label. Right, that came out later, right? Right, but Mark Adams did not credit me. You can't blame that on Jimmy Douglas. Mark Adams was producing and in charge of the music then. Mm. So he took that song for me and didn't credit me. What um, very angry so you about were, that. So you were kind of like the new guy in the band. So like, how did you approach that? When did you find out you didn't get credit and how did you react at the time? Well, the first album wasn't too bad because I did get credit for bad enough. Um, and to answer your question specifically, yeah. when we did the second album and then they shipped me the album, I was highly upset. To, uh, there were like four, four or five songs on there that I didn't get credit for. So I called Jimmy Douglas. And this is what I'm going to tell you. I would never like him as long as I live. And I said, I was a young dude, man. I was like 21 years old. Right. And I'm like, Jimmy, what's up, bro? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Jimmy, you didn't credit me on the five songs, man. And he started laughing at me, fellas. Mm. What? what? Why? Yes. He said, ah, nah, 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 nah. He was like, ah, footy, footy. Yeah, that's oh, what you man. get, footy. So for saying you want to produce, because I was like, man, I want to produce a slave album. I was like, looking ahead, you know, I felt right. confident. And. I, I was like, man, I'm going to come to New York and sue you. He said, ah, it'll cost you $2,000 to fly here, and that's about how much money you'll get in a lawsuit. Ha, ha. And, and dude, I'll never forget it. Oh, wow. man, that is so wrong, man. Because I'm in San Francisco. They're in New York. Right. We recorded that second album at West 57th Avenue, Atlantic Records. Right, got you. And And I... Man, I mean, you don't know how much it hurts. I, I, I'm a big, I'm a grown up, all that kind of stuff. But sure. even today, I feel like that was part of the reason that I left Slave. Mm -hmm. Sure. But, well, that's how I reacted when I found out that he was taking away my credit because he was in charge of publishing, and I had my own foot front publishing, and I was hoping to move ahead. And you know. It was too bad. He he took a lot of credit on a lot of those songs for other people's work. And, mm. and then like he put like a like in Jungle Dance. Yeah. Right. He, he'll put like do like a cough on it or something or say something, a few words, and then he'll take credit. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> That's bold too, for he could just do that like that. It is because here, Jungle Dance, Mark Adams, Kenny Harrison, who worked with Cameo. Wow, yeah. And so I worked, all right, and he died a few years ago, I'm sorry to say. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy Douglas and Foot wrote Jungle Dance. Well, how did Jimmy Douglas, <laughs> that's songwriting? Is he adding stuff? <laughs> is he adding stuff when you guys go and like come back the next day and he's playing the track for you right. and you hear this shit? Right. <laughs> and then and there are some songs that he would legitimately co-write. Right. Sure. Like he did some I think watching you or some of those other songs, like some of those hit records. He was behind those hit records, man, uh, as a producer. Right. I'm not taking any of his producing 
talents or credibility away. I'm taking away his credibility as a human being, man. Word. Word. And Danny Webster, he would always be angry at, uh, at, at Jimmy Douglas. Him too, right? Yeah, he would piss him off. Turn my guitar up, man. Turn my guitar up, man. And uh, then Danny would want to fight people. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Floyd, when we were on tour in England, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, we were on stage at the Wembley Arena. There was about 8,000 people there, man. Mm. Wembley Arena? Wow. Wow. And then Danny... He would get jealous because I could sing just like him, bro. I, I'm like a mimic. I can do Prince, the Dad's Band, mm-hmm. Heat Wave. I could sing. I'm like an impersonator. That's how I became a, a, a really good singer, by impersonating and copying like a lot of singers. Yeah. And so Danny, he, we were on stage and... What was great, man, was it was loose when we were up there. I turned around, and Danny, next thing I know, I almost fell out on the stage because Danny hit me with the guitar in my in my solar plexus. Oh, my mm. God. Ow. It, it, you know how it looks when you're digging a grave? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how his guitar looked going into my stomach. Oh, shit. And he was looking directly at me. Wow. That's cool. All right? And this was after I was singing some, you know, I, I would learn all the stuff, man, and Steve Arrington and all that. Right. And so after that, after, this is how I know he did it on purpose. At the end of that gig, Danny had let me borrow his tie, no, a belt for that gig because my pants were, I forgot my belt. <laughs> yeah. He said, I don't need my belt today, so right now. So he let me borrow it. And as soon as we got backstage after the show was over, he goes, give me my belt, give me my belt, Floyd. <laughs> and he got, he got up on me, man, like he was going to knock me out. And Floyd and, and uh, Mark Adams, Floyd Miller and Mark Adams, they both grabbed him and pulled him in one direction. Uh-huh. And that direction was away from me. <laughs> <laughs> And Floyd, I thought Floyd was going to kill him. Floyd goes, man, do you know who he is? That's our new lead singer, man. He's fresh. Right. And Mark was like, Danny, Danny, Danny. <laughs> it was crazy, man. But wow. I still love Danny, man. Because when I, when I first joined Slave, uh, I mean, people had their ways and, and stuff like that. But he let right. me borrow an acoustic Get an acoustic electric guitar. It was a Gibson, a wooden acoustic electric slash guitar, and he let me borrow it. I was in Dayton for a year, and he. I remember when I left that year, he goes, "Hey, foot, give my guitar back." <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I got the guitar still. <laughs> you still got it. No, I gave it back. Okay, to okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of you All and right. Danny, speaking of you and Danny making uh, music, uh, can we hear a little bit? Let's hear a little bit of. I like that song. Turn you out. Uh, in yeah, and, in and out. Yeah, let's hear some of that, Wayne. Some of that yeah, foot funk. I know. I love it.
Baseline is funky. Still, I like the way you do that. I'm gonna do it to you. <laughs> I'm gonna turn you inside out. Because <laughs> I love you desperately. <laughs> I'm gonna do it to you. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put my back. Girl, I like the way you do that. I'm gonna do it to you. That's Danny right there singing that part. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> hey, Wayne, you didn't take, you didn't get your picture taken for this album. You didn't. Oh, okay, okay, here we go. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, okay, the first album. I remember all this stuff, bro. Go ahead. So, so the first album, I was like, Mark, let me get some money so I can get a Jerry curl. <laughs> right and so the management is like into cocaine and stuff man sure that was the 1980s man and pimps and all kind of stuff booby the, the manager one of the managers name was booby <laughs> booby okay, now, yeah <laughs> okay and uh i'm not saying that he was dealing cocaine or anything like that but he was really nice to me but he was the manager okay right and <laughs> so I'm like, let me get fifty dollars, which is like two hundred dollars in those days. I was gonna to say that's a, that's a yeah. so that's how much a, a curl was a good curl fifty bucks. Well, for for the singer, if you sing with slave, it was. Yeah, right. You know they they did like they know how had a lot of talent. Heat wave or how players, mm-hmm. the dance band, all kind of people. I just tried me so. Mm-hmm. So Marcos, we ain't got no money, and I'm like you. You, Danny Webster, and Floyd Miller are riding around if they had matching Z28s, all black Z28. Wow. So I'm like, you guys are rolling around with Z28s, and I can't have money to do my hair? And not just that. <laughs> I had finished the album already, and I'm like, where is my money for singing on the album? I'm, I'm bad enough. Right. Uh-huh. They didn't pay me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Right? And so I was, you can imagine how angry I was. I was young. Right. I was a beer drinker and I was angry. Right. <laughs> I, I wasn't into like hard drugs. You know, I was like an alcoholic, you know, but mm-hmm. I was a functioning, I was young, man. I wasn't really, the alcohol problem, I, it did misguide me. I, I, I did misguide myself. 
the alcohol became a bigger problem later on. Got you. You know, way after I quit slave. But, you know, back to the picture. So I'm like, I'm not taking no picture looking like Buckwheat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buckwheat on crack and demo all. I mean, I, I was worn out, bro. You guys wow. won't give me any money. You know, and I hadn't got my, I was waiting on $1,000, $1,500 for singing on the album. Where's my dollars? Mm-hmm. Wow. And so he couldn't even come up, the slave couldn't even come up with $50 for me to do my hair. And I said, you know what, man? I ain't taking no picture looking like this. Plus, I'm angry. You guys haven't paid me. I'm not taking no damn picture, right? So I didn't take the picture. That explains that for the first album. Wayne, that sounds like such a bold decision, man. That's like your first album was Slave. You're like a lead singer. You must have been hot. I was upset, man. They hadn't paid me. I did all that work. And they didn't care? I mean, they they must have been upset at you for... Uh, no, they no. didn't have no money. <laughs> so they, they Where spent was the, the money going? Yeah, they spent Hello? it. What were you going to say, Jay? What were you saying? <laughs> they, they spent yeah, the... Yeah, uh, where was the money going? That's nuts. So they didn't even... The 80s, the 80s, her drugs. Yeah. That's bad business. That indecision, not taking care of your lead singer who just sung an album. The lead right. singer wants to get his hair done for a picture. You can't pay him the money. No doubt. That's so, so wrong. So I'm bold. I'm like, I, I left the group. I went back home and worked at Toys R Us Graveyard. <laughs> really? So did you did did you quit? You quit after that album for a time? Is that what you're saying? Or is that? I said, oh, but where's my ass right there? Where's my money? Wow. So by the time I got home to Daly City, right, which uh-huh. is near to San Francisco, uh, Mark Adams, they sent me my check about four months after I left Ohio. Wow. What? Four months. Was it a full uh, check? Yes. Was it the full check? It was like $1,500, but I had to wait six months for it. You must have been hot. I was hot. That's why I didn't take the picture. Now, when by the time Slave, Mark, uh, about a half a year went by, and Mark Adams called me again, and he's like, Foot, I'm sorry, man, blah, 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 blah. We're doing the second album in New York at Atlantic Records. Right. So you, it was in Atlantic Records, right? Right. And then here's my dad again. Don't go, chap. Don't go. <laughs> 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 so this 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 time, I, 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 he said that, and Darren Jones was like, nah, man, you got to go for it. You got to see this through. Like my original band leader mm-hmm. for the Master Funk, my friend. And then I listened to Darren Jones, too. I knew it was the smart thing to do, but he helped me with that decision. And then my dad was like, all right, then, man. I'm telling you, don't go, chap, because he called me chap. Mm-hmm. I said, Dad, I got to do it. So this was different. So when I went back, I flew back out there, and I started recording. We, we would met, met up again with Jimmy Douglas, and all of us met in the room, and we did the whole writing thing again. And I figured, I better do this. How many chances is the person going to get to sing with Slave, right? Right. And maybe the money will work out better this time. So I sung Easy Loving You, and Danny Webster came up to me, and he said, eight foot, man. I want you to sing every song on this album. You sound like a baby, man. That's what he told me. 
What does he mean by that? And, you sound like a baby. What does he mean by that statement? Well, it sounds like I sound like a newborn baby, like fresh, like, oh, like got fresh you. lungs. Got you. Like, so, like beautiful voice, beautiful mm-hmm. singing, like way better than the first album. Well, so wait a second. So what happened there? Because you were saying Danny's all jealous of you. So it sounded like he turned the other, like he turned like well, a 180 on it. Mark Adams and Floyd Miller had a talk with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Similar, similar to the talk they had when they almost killed him for, for uh, wanting to fight me over that belt. Right. And they heard how I was singing. I mean, if you listen to the, my voice, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I sung on every song, the rap, the, the ballad, Forever Mine, and another song called That's the Way I Like It, which was a separate 12-inch single in, in England. And uh, Danny said he also wanted to concentrate more he wanted to concentrate on his guitar playing. Really? I'm surprised. That, yeah. What, yeah. And I said, so if you hear Easy Loving You, I mean, that guitar work is just, uh, it, I mean, I, it makes me cry. That's a, day. that's a good point. You know what? Let's listen to a little bit of that because you're making a good point. And I love that song anyway. Let's listen to a little bit of Easy Loving You. This is from the New Plateau album. This is what he did in Atlantic Records, 1984. Easy Loving You. Yeah, you're right. There's a guitar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. in your eyes. Uh-oh, I might have to get a Jerry Crow. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to bring my curl back. I love it so strong. Longing for your tender embrace. Up all night. I can't sleep right. Yeah. Longing for your tender embrace. From day one, you are the only one. <laughs> Never knew it way. He's making his neighbors mad. <laughs> Not 10 o'clock yet. There you go. Oh, here we go. Ooh, it's so easy loving you. Yeah, nice. Easy, easy. Here we go. You know I want you. It's forever before, baby. We'll survive, you and I. <laughs> hey, was this uh, what, what kind of uh, oh my god he's making his neighbors real mad tonight or maybe happy, maybe happy hey let me ask you something um, what what kind of touring was going on is this when you were spending a lot of time in London and stuff or um, did, did that come okay, later this is, what, this is what happened when I first joined Slave we did 10 gigs in a year what? Ten gigs in a yeah, year. Yeah, we did like we we were just practicing five days a week for like all year. Yeah, right. And they would throw in a gig here and there. Like we did like Middletown, Texas. Then we did like Cincinnati, Ohio, and a few other places like that. Middletown, Ohio. Mm. Why? Why so and few gigs? Because the management wasn't on it, and the record company wasn't, you know, they weren't, 
So your management was real bad. I mean, that's just a shame. Slave's Slave is such a great band. Was, yeah, Slave's management was a joke. Their, Slave's management was just terrible. And so <clears throat> it, it, was, they were terrible at promoting the, the, the label, you know? Mm -hmm. um, this was Cotillion Records. Both right. albums that I did. Right, mm -hmm. Cotillion, yeah. It's just Warner Brothers, Electra, and Atlantic. It's Wea. Okay, so Cotillion is a subsidiary, but they had a terrible management and the company wasn't promoting the group. And so after the second album, okay, after the first album, we started touring England. This guy named John Abbey was a tour director in England and Mark Adams hooked up with him. That's when things are going good. That's when we... We eventually did like three. I did three tours of Europe, of England with Slave. Three tours of England. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, no one, we didn't play with anyone. We did, Every time we went, we did 16 or 17 gigs. Ronnie Scott's in London, Wembley Arena, Hammersmith Odeon. Whoa, wow. All kind of radio. Yeah, it was incredible. They treated us like royalty, man. They'd be like cases of beer and wine backstage. Girls everywhere. It was incredible. And, you know, we we didn't have anyone on the same act as us. We were the only act. Wow, that's amazing. Nice. Even when we did the 10 gigs, we didn't play with other people. We, we were always the only act playing. Yeah. Wow. So that was, you know, three tours. But back to the picture for the second album. Yeah, go ahead. After the second album was finished. I was amazed. I, I mean, I got, I went, got through with that album. It was like sheer magic, man. I knew I was a singer then. It was like, wait a minute. This is like my solo record featuring Slave. Yeah, no, I was going to say, yeah, you're, start, yeah, that album is just all you, man. It's just all you. I'm going to start promoting this thing next year. I mean, when this pandemic goes away, uh, you know, I'm going to be out touring with this album. You are? Kiss you it, honey. 2021? Beautiful. I'm going to do like, it's called a PA tour. Yeah. And you sing with the, some of the selected songs. I'm going to start getting some gigs, man. I'm going to get back out there, bro. That's what's up, That's man. beautiful, man. That's what's up. So you you so you so said the recording experience was a good experience for you. You didn't like that producer? Oh, man. This was, this was absolutely amazing. The second album was just like, no amount of money... Or, or happiness can touch being in love with a woman, all that stuff. The only thing that could beat it is the love for your children. Mm -hmm. And, and the, really the album is like a child of mine, really mm -hmm. the new plateau album. Yeah. But I told Mark Adams, I said, Mark, I want to take the picture. Now my hair is nice. <laughs> <laughs> you got your curl together. <laughs> I got my curl together. <laughs> My brother James in Lakeview, Eddie Macon, his, his buddy James did my hair before I went. Uh-huh. There you go. And so I, I was still had a great lay. And I was like, Mark, when are you going to come get me to take this picture? And if you look on the back of the New Plateau album, you'll see Floyd on the left, Danny in the middle, and Mark on the right. Mm-hmm. Mark never called me back, man. He uh, broke my heart, bro. Wow. He didn't let me take the picture. And so what? that's another reason I left Slave. 
What I don't okay. even I don't even understand what you're telling me. That's so just disorganized. So like you just did. I don't even understand what you're saying. Like you you saying like every it's kind of like your album like you said like featured on with Slave, but then they didn't call you to take the picture. Like how could that even happen? I was, I was in New York and we had wrapped up the, the the cut, baby. It was it was diamond down. It was ready. Right. And Mark Adams, he said he was going to come pick me up. He didn't pick me up. I was waiting and waiting and waiting. He kept giving me the business. When I would talk to him, he was like, oh, we took it. He finally said, we took it already. I was so mad. I, I, the album was finished. Damn. And then when I got the album, I got home. I had my check because I said, you guys got to pay me before I do this album. Yeah. So I already had my check, okay? But because they made me wait for the first album for so long. And then so when I looked at the album, here you go. Slave is Danny Webster lead and background vocals. He's not singing any lead on this album. Oh. Check this out. Keith Nash vocals. No. They make it sound like he could be doing these little Aubrey Rivers saxophone vocals. I love these guys, but no. And then you see, um, you know, like, then you see Floyd Miller lead and background vocals, which is true. Only for one song. We had a duet, Share Your Love. So in other words... So it should have said, Share Your Love, Floyd Miller. Yes. Vocals. So in other words, the the way the credits read for vocals, it, it misrepresented as a lot more vocal tracks are being laid, but really the vast majority was just all you, right? Is that That's what you're saying? But, I, the, the entire album was me, even the 12-inch that's not on the album called uh, That's the Way I Like It. The only exception is Share Your Love was a, a duet with Floyd singing lead vocals with me on that. Mm-hmm. And so that was misrepresented. And then I looked at some of the, like the credits, and that's when I wanted to start cutting people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a felon, but and, and that's one thing I could be proud of. I don't have any felonies. But I co-wrote Forever Mine, Share Your Love, uh, KLG and Easy Loving You. And on Ooh and the Word Is Out, I did a lot of ad libs. Yeah. Towards the last like 60 40% of that, those records. But really, I can't be cutting it close and saying that I co wrote those. If you're ad libbing, that's all right. I, I can kind of dig that. Yeah. But on those other songs, man, I co wrote those songs. And so they gave me credit for Motorway and Jungle Dance. Mm. And so I was hot, man. I was really, that's when I called Jimmy Douglas. <clears throat> and then right. after that, I came back home, okay? And then this was ridiculous because here I am singing all these songs. The company doesn't know how to promote the group. The group has management who's all messed up on drugs. Yeah. There's drugs in the industry. I was not a part of that, like cocaine and all that. And I'm going to tell you a story right now that is a true story. Without naming any names. When I was back here doing construction work after I did the Slave album, I was hoping that we could get this back together. Even though Mark stiffed me on the picture, I was really, really angry. Because mm-hmm. there's this albums out in the world with these three guys who I love like my heroes on the back. And I'm supposed to be in there. I was like supposed to be in there just us four. That's horrible. That's horrible. Uh, it is. And so here comes Mark Foot 
I want you to talk to somebody. And so it was this guy in management. Not going to say any names. I have a lot of dignity, bro. So I'm not going to slay sure. anybody or slay anybody's sure. reputation. Sure. So Mark had me talking to this guy who was in management. And I won't specify what part of management. But he goes, a foot with that smooth voice. We are doing a video for the word is out. I said, okay, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Give me $500, fly me to Chicago, and I'll do it. I was thinking like business, man. I want to not take care of business. You guys are not going to be doing this to me anymore. <clears throat> so sure. he said, okay. This guy flew me out to Chicago. He, he gave me a two-way ticket because that was another thing that I instilled, that I wanted a two-way ticket. Give me 500 bucks. I'll sing on the video. I get up to, you guys still there? Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah, we're hanging on every okay. word. So, okay, thank you. So I get to Chicago. I think it's called O'Hare Airport. Yeah. And then we go to the hotel. And I'm like, hmm, hotel, okay. Maybe this, this guy, it was, is going to give me my money. Because I stipulate I want the money before I get do any video with Slave. So I get into the room. This guy's in there. I'm not going to specify who else was in there. I walk into the room, fellas, and you know those round tables? Yeah. Yeah. That are in hotel rooms? Yeah. Yeah. I looked on the table, and it was... Surely somebody must have spilled baby powder. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't see no fine girls or pretty girls up in there. You ain't yeah. gonna pat your powder, your booty, are you, babe? <laughs> so I look and there was a table full of cocaine. Wow. And this cocaine was about two inches thick. Have you seen the like the Woody Allen movie? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Annie Hall. Where yeah. he sneezes. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> No, 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 this this was like about forty times more than that. <laughs> it was the whole table was full. Wow. The only the around the surrounding part of the table you could see the wood mm. panel around. Dang. And you and you no one had made any trails yet. And I was like, really? I looked at this guy uh, and the guy in management. Yeah, and I, I looked at him and I said, "Really?" I said, "Man, I'm out of here, man." And no doubt, before before he could say anything, I said to myself, "I said, man, I am going because I was very religious. I was praying all the time, which I still I pray day and night. Mm-hmm. And I had God in my life, so I knew I wasn't storing no coke. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to ruin my life at age 22 or 21 or whatever." Good for I you. could see my whole life just dissolving in front of me, and I bolted, man. Yeah, I got out of there. Really, and I said, man, give me a cab. They, they, they let me get in the cab. I went to the airport. Danny Webster to this day, that video is on YouTube, and Danny Webster mined my voice. That's me singing on every song in the album, and they had no choice. Danny sung uh, as a mime. Wow, uh... on, on that song. That, and no wonder so many bad decisions are being made how you describe that table. Hey, let me ask you this, uh, Wayne. And thank you, man. It's been so awesome talking to you. It's been beautiful. And um, 
I know you're a good family here with Jay, so it's all part of the family thing. Um, we're, we're running, we want to play one more tune from New Plateau. Let me ask you, we got Ooh or Share You Love. Which, which song do you want us to hear right now? You want the fans to hear? I mean, I would say Share Your Love because I love Floyd Miller with all my heart. I always did call him my big brother. He was the other my best friend in the group. Okay. Who, who really, who holds the group together. And we're both singing on that song together. And I, I love giving him credit. I love him with all my heart. And he's the only one that's alive still. Mark, Danny, and Drac all died. So. Well, then, let, you know what? That's, like that. that's beautiful, Wayne. Let's do that. Let's share your love. This is also there from New Plat 2. <laughs> See how I did that? And you're great, man. I like you. Oh, I like you too, man. Right on. Thank you. That's an honor. This brings me right back here in this. This is that dance party funk. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm doing the falsetto on there. Gotcha. Right there. You're versatile. <laughs> You wrote that? Yeah, that's that hook. Ha <laughs> ha, that's the lick. But they didn't give me credit. <laughs> that's so wrong. I can't believe that. Yeah. I love that line. Thank you. Hey, yo, I got a couple things to ask you before we let you go, Wayne. And it's so beautiful hearing you sing. You're full of energy right now. I mean, you're just feeling it. One thing. I'm pumped, man. <laughs> you are pumped, man. That's beautiful. I love to hear it. Next year is going to be the lick, bro. Next year's your year? I'm going to touch base again, but go ahead. Yeah, I want to hear that, too. We want to play with you, too. Check this out, Wayne. Um, a couple of things I just want to run through real quick. One is Jay was telling me earlier, because he's remembering when he was little. You said you remember him when he was five. He used to yes. say, he said you he said you were just like you had the you had it all, man. You're like you're playing the drums, you used to bring that music to the family, teach teach him and baseball bat Nat, you know, about music and <laughs> turning you on to different groups. Um yeah. so you like to play those drums, huh? Yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a multi-instrumentalist. I'm like Prince, but I am not Prince. Yeah, that's what Jay was saying, man. He said you were. What's your main acts? What do you consider your main acts? Like guitar, drums? Like what's your main instrument? I, I, I would say drums, and this jambay that I have, man, is incredible. But 
I tear a bass apart, bro. Oh, yeah? I mean, yeah, I, I tried to copy Mark Adams' style uh-huh. after he died. After he died, I tried to learn that. He told me it's called the sting. The sting? And, yeah, and I cut my finger almost off, man. <laughs> <laughs> you stung your don't finger. Try it. And he used to always tell me, man, he said, man, don't be trying to cop my style. He said it on the albums. He said, get somewhere. Right. Wait, in you, other you words, better he, go somewhere. Right. He told you to do your but, own thing, right? No, he was telling the world that, like, all you bass players don't steal my style. But <laughs> I was just trying to learn it because he did pass away. And I was like, well, how did he do that? And I wasn't trying to copy his style. But well, you're trying to I put tribute. The warning, the warning, which is another slave song called Warning. Yeah, I know that song. Yeah. Was don't be trying to copy my sting, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, also, I wanted to ask you, so you did, did you do a solo joint? Did you, were you like a solo artist touring in London or something like that? Um, a- yes, yes. I love Slave, right? I fell in love with this girl named Tracy Marshall, and she was a fashion designer. And I wrote Lonely Girls for her. Wow, gotcha. And, and, and Slave stole it. But that's okay. I'm going to redo it again. And... I went out there and lived with her and her mom and dad. They were so sweet for a year. And I got a record deal with this company called Blanco y Negro Records with Jeff Travers. Mm-hmm. He had groups called The Smiths and Jesus and the Mary Chain. Yeah, I know those groups. Yeah. I was on that label. Wow, okay. They didn't know how to, pro- they didn't know how to promote funk. Right, that's a I very different kind of thing. Act. Right, right. And so I did Uncool, which I have here. Um, I, I have a turntable. I'm going to turn into a CD and put it on. I'm going to get back on Instagram and get, get out there for 2021 again and get good. out there in the biggest way possible. Good, bro. good, but good. My single was Uncool. Uncool. Now, it's for sale on the web. It's been on the web for like 15 years. But when you go to it, if you look on the first album with Slave, Bad Enough, there's a little short guy on the back, and that's Slave's drummer. That's Ronnie Cochran. Uh-huh. God bless him. That's that's Sugarfoot's nephew. Mm. Ronnie Cochran is Sugarfoot's nephew. I didn't know that. Right, but, right, but he died in nineteen like ninety. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, but his picture is if you look under Wayne Foot, uncool. They, they they're so stupid. They're selling my record with his picture. Oh, they think sh- I'm he's Wayne Foot. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, they didn't. They said they all look alike or something. Oh man. <laughs> Right, so my my record is for sale on YouTube, and I ain't getting nothing from it. It's called Uncool. My cousin bought it for me. No, a lady at work named Jahara Morales, she bought me the record, a little young girl, and and I have it here. So I'm going to put it out next year. Wayne, we're going to stop this this year. What is it with you and your picture and your music? Every time you do music, there's some problem with the picture. You, you noticed that? <laughs> no, but when, I, but when I did Uncool, my picture was all over that one. Oh, okay, okay, good. <laughs> and my girl did my fashion. She did my clothes for that. And the record company, Warner Brothers, was my distribution. And they wanted to, meet, to turn me into a pumpkin. They wanted to be like, well, we want you to wear a Pinocchio, yeah, yeah. this, and yeah, do yeah. this. And I said, no, I got my own fashion designer. And... Right there, they wouldn't promote me. Wow. Right. But my alcoholism got in my way. I went to Starlight Records. Mm-hmm. I met MC Hammer. I played him the song I was working on with Gordon Smith called Beverly Hills. 
Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm going to bring all that stuff back. And I got too drunk in the studio and I lost my record deal. Mm. I have to be honest with the people out there yeah. are going to hear this. Yeah. I have some advice. Don't, if alcohol is getting in your way, you must quit. If you can drink and get by and do things, fine, but it can ruin your life. It sidelined a whole musical career for me. And how long was but it, I'm, how long was it when from then to when you finally, um, you finally let it go, let the alcohol go for good? How, like how long of a process was that from your solo? Okay, I yeah. was, I would tell you how long in 2003, I went homeless. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry to hear okay, that. Okay. And yeah. by 2008, the homeless outreach team, I was at hippie Hill, homeless at hippie Hill where yeah. I played drums and I took pictures with Eddie Macon and Lisa Collins next and Jason's sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love her, man. She's my friend too, you know? And, that's where we all grew up. And so I was found myself homeless there playing in the drum circle. Mm-hmm. And when the homeless outreach team got me off the streets, I ended up working for the homeless outreach team because I quit drinking. And I have over 11 years off of that. Fourth of July will be 12, every fourth of July. So that's what made me stop to get my life back. And now I feel like I'm getting ready to tear shit apart next year, bro. I got songs <laughs> I... in the, in, in my computer I've already re- remixed five songs. Nice. And so, and I have hundreds of pieces of art. When I was homeless, I sold 534 pieces of art, oh. uh, like Oprah Winfrey on crack and demo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ed, that you remind me, Wayne, that was the last thing I wanted to ask you. So, are you been making films or something? I saw something on your Facebook, like you were saying you've been like doing some videos or making some films or... Um... Okay, after I sold all these pieces of art for 5 to $20 each, I've never sold an original for that amount ever again. There'll be are copies we, of Are we talking paintings? What are we talking about? Paintings. When I was homeless, I realized I could draw. Mm-hmm. And you sold and, that. And, and then I became much different when I quit drinking. I have hundreds of pictures now, like the bird. You know, it's just basic stuff. Mm-hmm. But I did do a film called The Art Attack, which I'm releasing next year. And then I have another one called How to Have Sex with a Cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to read that. I took all my artwork and I made two 17-minute films with my own music as the soundtrack. And nice, then in my man. computer and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to promote it. Yeah. That, that's great, man. Well, we'll, we'll be glad to help you promote it. It's about recovery and it's about uh-huh. being homeless. And then, you know, I fall in love with this girl. Name and Adrena, uh, one of my art pieces, mm-hmm. and then my art pieces—they want to fight me. They want to have an art attack. It's yeah. so cute, man. <laughs> man, that is beautiful. It's really sweet. Uh, Wayne, Wayne, it has been uh, amazing talking to you. You, you sound full, so full of energy. You sound so happy right now. I'm glad. You, it sounds like you're going into 2021 just feeling good. Uh, you you want to say any parting words, Jay? Before we. Uh, we let your boy go here? Man, I just want to say thank you, brother. Thank you for putting this time aside and uh, getting down with it because, you know, we're all making history and uh, people need to hear you, brother. You know, I appreciate it. And I'm going to do some work with you guys. Maybe we can redo some slave songs, a couple songs. Oh, my God, year. please, please. I'm with it. Right? And Alan, didn't I meet you? Weren't you playing at the Apple store? <laughs> no. <laughs> probably, probably not. I don't think I was playing at the, the Apple store. 
But uh, not that I remember. Jay, you played, you played yeah. you and me. You guys did a cover of Slave. That that was a beautiful seeing you there, Jay. Yeah, man. Most Great definitely. Great performance, man. We did, I love uh, you, man. Life can be nice. Life can be happy, right? There you remember go, bro. Oh, I know that. I, I was just hearing that the other day. Slave songs yeah. that were, yeah. I got a bunch of Slave songs that were never released and they're in my heart and on tape oh, and man. we're going to redo some of those songs jay i'm with it brother please I'm please with it. i need a piece I'll of that i'll play too. drums and i'll and I'll, I'll play bass and you can play guitar and you can get your bass player to play bass whatever we're going to get together and redo some songs no doubt i Beautiful. got i could uh record drums at the house now so it's bad. okay what are you going to do now wayne what are you going to do tonight after we get off the phone Tonight, I'm, uh, well, I just recently got a turntable. My cousin bought me New Plateau. <laughs> My cousin, Gary Smith. Hey, cool. And it's his birthday on Friday, and this is when this is going to be played, right? Yep, that's when we're coming out, this Friday. Happy birthday, Gary. On my Gary. cousin, Gary Gascoigne Smith's birthday. So Happy birthday to him. I'm sitting here, yeah. So I'm sitting here looking, it just brings, I feel like I'm 15 again, you know, the turntable's in my room. And right, right. I don't have this nagging uh, alcohol addiction. That's beautiful. You know, and I quit smoking cigarettes, man. I smoked cigarettes for 13 years, man, when I was homeless. Yeah, you sound good. And then two and a half years now, no cigarettes. That's great. That's beautiful. It feels good, right? Yeah, my lung collapsed. And then God, I said, thank you, God, because God always finds a way for me. That was his way of making me stop because I wasn't going to stop outside that. But that's what I have to say, man, that I'm looking forward to the future. Yeah. All you young people out there, all you people, even if you're older and you don't have a career, whatever got in your way, you got to get that out of the way that's so right. you can right. shine and come through. That's right. It's doable. I'm disappointed about the way things didn't work with Slave, and there's a lot of things I wasn't able to tell you. Right. About about things that happened, you know, during my tenure with Slave and all the people I met. Like, Drac was my best friend, and he drove me to meet people. He drove me to meet the lead singer of Heat Wave one day. He was in a wheelchair. Oh. And I hugged him, and I said, you're my favorite singer. And he goes, do good with Slave. And then he died like a year later. You know, oh. I've been through, and then, like, Billy Beck. Uh-huh. I never met him, but I met Sugarfoot. I smoked a joint with Sugarfoot, and then my girlfriend introduced me to him <laughs> in Ohio. <laughs> and then another day, my girlfriend took me to her sister's house, and there was a lead singer was married to her sister. He was on the couch, mm. the lead singer of Lakeside. Whoa. <laughs> you were rubbing elbows. You know? We'll tell you and what. One day I was going to, uh, to slave practice, and... Satch, the leader of the Ohio players, oh, right. saw me and he said, he said, come here, man. Who are you, young brother? You look like you got talent. Something about you. And I <laughs> said, Satch? He said, that's right. I said, I said I'm Wayne Foote, and he used to lead singer a slave. And he hugged me, man. And he said, good luck to you, man. I got to go. Wow. Just all kinds of little stories like that. That's wow, man. We got to do a whole nother episode with you, Wayne. No doubt. And, uh, we'll do it next year, man, when I get my new album coming out, bro. Okay. You watch. Okay, yeah, and we'll, we'll promote it with you. We will. And then my artwork, that's going to be incredible, man. I got hundreds of pieces of art here. Wow, man, that's great, Crazy man. Crazy art, man. You should do a showing. I will. It's all coming back together now. Yeah. The last four years has been incredibly frustrating for reasons 
I'll let the audience decipher on their own. <laughs> <laughs> we know what that means. Wink, wink. All right, Wayne, uh, we're going to let you go, man. We got to run. And uh, I'll, oh, uh, I'll hit you up this week. I'll keep you uh, abreast of things uh, when it uh, launches this Friday. Don't talk about breasts. Oh, uh, <laughs> man, you got a million of them. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't have a million breasts. <laughs> 30, oh, my God. This guy's quick with I got two chests. Don't get that shit twisted. <laughs> you got the improv comedy skills, bro. All oh, right. Man, I, got, I got incredible comedy here, too, bro. <laughs> All right, man. We got to run. Have a good night, right, man. man. Don't wake up the neighbors. I had slave laughing. I had slave laughing all the time when we were together. We had yeah. so much fun, bro. <laughs> don't, don't forget that. I bet. I bet, and I won't forget that. I won't forget that at all. Cool. All right, brother. Good all talking right, to you, man. Thank you guys for the interview. I appreciate right y'all, on, man. man. Thank That's you. As real as I could be, bro, is what you got. You were really real. See you soon. <laughs> all right, fellas. All right. Peace. Good night. Thanks, Jay and Alan. Yeah. All right. Have a good night. Good night. All right. All right, man, and uh, that was a great interview with Wayne. It was really great speaking with him, and great that he's doing well. It's just so great. Okay, so we need to we need to bring down the vibe and talk about what we promised we're going to talk about before in the intro. So I want to talk about Patrick Owens, who we know as Brother P. You know, kind of like the funk the funk wizard who's no longer with us. So, uh, so Jay. So basically, what happened? Our last episode was in September early September and we were talking about that episode how Patrick was doing good because he he had done a bout in the hospital I guess last May or something yeah like maybe two times yeah right and he had a new car like a Beamer yeah white BMW M series and so we're even talking about you know we're joking about you know how he's doing well I was talking about how we're going to do a show in the future where we're going to bring everybody with the Funkonauts in and do an A style with everybody live right I want to do a segment where we call Patrick on the phone even. So even like, I think this episode I was planning to have Patrick on the episode. That's right. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So anyway, we heard from, I guess, who is it? Richard? That Patrick had a bunch of tickets on his car. Yeah, he had a bunch of tickets because Rich works for UPS. Right. And, uh, you know, in that neighborhood, it's his route. And saw a bunch of tickets and gave me a call and was like, I've talked to Patrick and seen him. And I was like, no. Well, plus they got parking in the back end of his pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, even for the car to be parked out there. Yeah, it's kind of strange. So so that's how there. everybody put two and two together. How long did they say he was in there? Like a month? Or everybody figured yeah, out he was in there? About a month, maybe. And, um, and just so you guys understand, like, Patrick, you had to send him, like, a homing pigeon. Like, he didn't really have, like, cell phone or, like, he wasn't, like, easy to get in touch nah, with. Nah. He wasn't, like, shoot a text kind of guy. You had to call the house on the landline <laughs> and when we went out on the road he'd you know make sure he'd call his mom when we got to the gig and that's right when we got home and if it was on the weekend he would be taking his mom to grocery shopping when we got home yep. sunday morning or whatever and you know he was a real hard dedicated 
cat, you know, on all fronts. He was a good brother, man. And uh, when he was in the hospital, by the way, so any other year, you guys, and this is another thing that makes me angry, any other year in history, like we could have gone to the hospital like a million times. We could have gone there so many times just to hang out. Like we could have gone there every day if we wanted. Which I've done before. People I know that they're in the hospital for extended stay. You go there, you know, you go visit and stuff. Obviously with COVID and stuff, this isn't one of those years. So we're calling, calling, calling. Then you finally got through, I guess, on a nurse's iPad, or was it like right. the, the iPad uh, they had at the hospital? Yeah, she had her iPad, and she uh, faced, well, I called, and she said that she couldn't do it now, and she called me back. And um, and when I answered, it was like Patrick, like right there, and we we spoke, and he recognized me, and that was, that was really, well, when I seen him, I was like, damn, yeah. you know, like, fuck, I wasn't expecting that. But I mean, I didn't show it on my face or anything like that. What were you expecting? I was expect. I don't. I have no idea what I was expecting, honestly. Mm -hmm. You know, I just knew that he was sick and was hoping for the best because I'm always thinking, you know, positive and whatnot. Sure. So when I seen him, and the first thing he said, he was like, "Brother Jay," because he always called me Brother Jay. Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, it's gonna be all right." But when he said that, he was looking off to the side like he was looking at somebody like. Who knows, man? Maybe Jimi Hendrix or somebody, you know, um, Eddie right. Hazel was there about to just walk him through the gate or something. But Right, you're saying like it's going to be he all right. Had, he had the most comforting look on his face when he said that to you me. You said comforting look. It was, it was very comforting. Like he wasn't afraid. You know, I've seen people in, in that stage where they were afraid. Right. Not, not, not literally, but you can tell that unsure you know mm -hmm. what i mean but when i looked at him he had this comforting you know because we've rode in the car together we traveled together so i know this brother so when i'm looking at him and i see that face i'm like oh shit he's good he's good <laughs> you know so i remember um uh it, you told us that kind of like on a group like text like yeah. everybody else in the band i remember uh john uh, mcfab John Flaherty, he was asking you, like, yeah, he was asking the same thing I was asking, like, what do you mean, or how was he? You know, everybody was, like, kind of, yeah. like, wanted to hear about that. Yeah. And then, so what happened was, you told us that, like, on a Wednesday. Yeah. So we were all, well, cool, I'm going to get that on the iPad. And right. so so was he, McFab, like, well, yeah. I'll get on that then. Totally. So we kept, like, kind of, shoot, like, kind of trying to get on that. I remember the next day, I got caught up, I, cu I couldn't, like... It was too late for me to call. I guess the nurse wasn't there. Because uh -huh. I tried to call there many times, but okay. I just didn't get through to him. They wouldn't let me talk to him when I called there. Uh, not because they were mean, just because, you know, they were taking care of schedules, him. yeah. So um, anyway, I'm just, all I'm saying is, so I'm okay, next, tomorrow for sure, around lunchtime, I'm going to call him. And that's when I found out he passed like that morning. So I, okay. I lost that time. Like I, I was, I was too late. He was at um, he was at the hospital. Wait a minute, I, I thought I had it here. Oh, Eden Medical Center. So yeah, I want to thank them mm -hmm. for putting that iPad uh, call through to Jay Stone and mm -hmm. for answering our, our questions that they could answer when I called. So thank you. And then uh, we did go see his plot, very very fresh plot, at um, Evergreen Cemetery. Yes, in uh, East Oakland. In East Oakland. So I went there. Um, and then was about to leave because I got there before you. 
Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find it. And then you came up with your wife, Tina. Shout out to Tina. And then showed us where the, the plot was. Yes. But it didn't have a marker yet. Yes. It was by his grandma. Yes, grandma named Minnie or Minnie Owens. Right, right. Yes. And that's how that's how you found like yes. where it was. So it was yeah. it was unmarked, but we did somehow find yeah. it. Yeah. And put some candles there. Yeah. And just kind of hung out there. I'm still in the phase now where I'm thinking he's not I think he's still alive, but I forget that he's I'm not in denial. I'm just I'm not um do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. not like it's yeah. not sunk it's not sinking. It's like in. you might one day just be like oh should i call patrick yeah yeah yeah. or i keep thinking it like oh that would be a good thing for patrick to play or something and i forget like wait he's not gonna play that next time we perform he's not gonna be there you know what i mean so that kind of hurt my feelings but so that's the stage i'm in Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people are in there so because of everything that's going on and some other complications i don't want to get into he still hasn't had a memorial so we're still going to have that covid yeah, I mean, yeah, it's all bad. So we are going to have that, I, from what I understand, in about a month, hopefully. And we're going to do some. We're going to do that event, and then, in case you're wondering, yes, we are going to do an entire episode of ASL on Patrick, on Brother P, on you know, listen to his recordings. We're going to have people that knew him and loved him either come in or call in. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do that right. So I just want to touch on it a little bit in this episode, Jay, but I don't want it to be just some fleeting thing. Um, yeah. He meant a lot to me personally. I know when I was a fan of Funkonauts, I would see him play, and then I actually got to play with him. And then he and I had a little bit of a rift, actually, because he was very grumpy the last year of his life because he had bad health. Yeah. And he and I actually made friends again right before the end. And I wish I knew, but I guess that Funkonaut show at the Tupelo in February, mm-hmm. I was telling Osha uh, Savage, I think that was his last show. I'm pretty sure. I don't think he did any more shows after that. And that's our last gig with him, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because we we played the month before that at the radio. Yep. Yeah. So I I think that was the last thing. So I wish I knew that at the time, but at least we had a good gig. I remember that was a good gig. And he was actually in a a rare good mood that night. That night, yeah. And I, we actually drove in together and I, I dropped him off at home. I wish I understood that that would be the last time I'd see him, but... In that while? I'm glad that... I'm glad that we did it. I'm yeah. glad that we did it. And we're going we're gonna to do it right as far as giving him props. I wanted to shout some people out. This is just a small amount of people I want to shout out who are giving uh, Patrick Love online when he passed. And I know we're very shocked, as we were, that he left us all of a sudden. I want to make sure you mentioned uh, Tina. Uh, also, Ricky Vincent mm-hmm. was showing love. Uh Sky Christie, Sky Christie's always photographing everybody yeah. in the Bay Area playing uh, live shows. He has, he has some great photos of Patrick, Sky Christie. Mm-hmm. Richard, of course, Richard Lindsay, we already shouted out. Uh, Patrick used to be his musical director yeah. for his uh, uh, Pure Finement tribute, yeah. tribute band. Osha, I mentioned. Uh, Tammy Owens Small, I want to give a shout out to. Ing Owens, I want to give a shout out to. Tyrone Triggs. Brother uh, T. Tony the Drumologist, yeah, man, Tony he's out D. there. I know he's out there. Uh, Chris Cortez, Chris yeah, Cortez, okay. Chris. Al Lazard, heard from you. Yeah. Uh, Scotland Rucker, word up. And uh, Jordan, you know, Jay Bird. Yeah, Jay Bird. Everybody out there. So thank you guys and stay tuned. We're going to give Patrick even more love. This is just a little bit of taste. We don't really have closure right now, Jay and I, like we said, and we're still kind of, you know, we're still kind of floating with this. It's not sinking in yet. 
Um, but we just wanted it, we we couldn't let it go by without saying a lot about Patrick now, and we have a lot more to say in the future. Trust me. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? He always said that. <laughs> <laughs> he said a lot. Oh my God. When he got in a talking mood, woo! <laughs> he could talk to you about all kinds of things. And uh we're gonna talk about that. All the, you know, all the knowledge that he had, and he'd always make fun of me because I didn't know this or didn't know that. He's like, You didn't know that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um we also lost some greats, Jay Stone. I wanted to end before we say goodbye. Remember, our next episode is coming up soon with Shirley Hayden. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost Eddie Van Halen, Jay Stone. One of my heroes. I was going to say, Shirley, Jeez. I mean, sure, you have something to say about that. Man. I mean, amidst all the stuff's going on, he kind of slipped away. Yeah. What do you think of that? I mean, he's the reason why I got into like just making guitars from scratch. I mean, I don't... That's you right. Know, like, uh, I don't mechanic them. I just get the parts and have someone else put them together. But just finding my own tone and voice in guitar and learning, you know, his riffs and licks and, and, and songs, he was a badass. And, I mean, to put it further, I believe that they used to play, like, a bunch of Ohio players when they were, you know, just coming up back in the day. That's Did why they really? Yeah, that's why they, they kind of have that funky feeling, you know. Well, yeah, that's funny because um, I always wish like he somehow wound up doing more stuff like Beat It or... <laughs> right, right. Because he sounds bad over bad those kind of grooves, man, bad taking ass. a solo over that. But, you know, everybody... Oh, God, everybody... And if, me too as well. I'm acting like... I'm sitting here like you're the only one, you know, I know when I've played so many Van Halen songs and coming right. up when I was in high school. Right. High, this high school band that, high, you know, ain't talking about love. Yeah. You know, we played all those songs. Right. So I love it too. Also... um, during during our last episode, um, Chadwick Boseman was still alive, mm. but then he passed during the okay the uh, post production. Okay, so we did on episode twelve, our previous episode, we played a sound clip from I know your favorite part from the James Brown movie of Chadwick playing James Brown when he yells oh, yeah. at the band saying like <laughs> "You all are a drum, you're a drum. That's yeah. not a guitar, That's you know sad. that part." So we put that as like a shout out at the end. But we didn't get to say on the mic how much we love Chadwick Boseman. You know, a lot of actors pass away. He passed away way before his prime. No doubt. He was man. he was sick when That's he was heavy. doing Black Panther. Yeah. So he did right by his family. He got paid. He didn't tell the people at the studio. You know what I mean? They probably no would have cut that contract if they knew. I just watched James Brown that movie. Uh, shit, last Wednesday. Which movie? James Brown. The, uh, oh, the I know. Yeah. Dude, that movie. Um, That's it got kind of panned at the time, but he's great in that movie great. he's really On good point that scene with his mom where they yeah, play with towards yeah, the end that was yeah. that was intense right. man oh my god and uh wow such an amazing actor he's also good he plays there's a group uh i think it's just called thurgood not a group there's a movie called thurgood is he plays thurgood marshall oh, really? the uh, supreme uh, okay. court justice yeah. and also he played jackie robinson mm-hmm. so he he did a, he played a lot of icons, icons. man and and made himself an icon. At and the made same himself time. an icon. That's dope. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted, you know, a lot of people pass away, um, but I just wanted to shout him out in particular. He's kind of like almost a James Dean with a, and just with you know the whole Black Panther phenomenon, man. Because that movie, that uh, movie was so huge. It yeah. just made such a big impact. So I just wanted to shout him out, and uh, I also wanted to end on one more guy because he's another Bay Area legend. You know, talking about Patrick Owens, a Bay mm-hmm. Area legend. We got to talk about this boy is Rocco Prestia. 
Wow. You know, people think funk is just a color thing, like only African-Americans can lay it down. But especially when you come to the Bay Area, that's simply not true, man. Nah, right, Jay Stone? Nah, it's a, it's a... And when you're talking about big, Tower big, of Power... Tower of Power. That uh, rhythm section. Yeah, heavy duty. Monster. Absolute monster. Well, uh, Mr. Prestia Rocco, he passed on September 30th of this year at the age of 69. Tower of Power bassist. I did some uh, research. I was I was pleased to learn some things I didn't know about him because I wanted to shout him out. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I don't need research for this, but first of all, he played like what you, we would call like a finger style funk. Yeah, two fingers. Yeah, so very different than say like somebody like me would play. Um, very very clean, very fast. Notes. Lots of sixteenth notes. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So very percussive. Yeah. Uh, just like a straight razor so kind of like james jamerson but not so much all over the place like he would just really like like shoot like a laser gun on those 16th groove yeah and just lock and it was just something really amazing to behold and he said that he was influenced heavily by larry graham by paul jackson paul jackson you know from the headhunters oh yeah they was all friends i'm sure yeah duck dunn yeah and uh chuck rainey yeah and uh prestia said the key to playing that much without getting in the way is to lay it in the groove, just mm. like you said. And uh, so anyway, I looked up some info about Rocco. So, you know, Emilio Castillo, uh, Emilio Castillo, the sax player, he's one of the main guys, start Tower Power. Um, he had a band called, I love this name, the Gotham City Crime Fighters. Dope. When he was like, you know, junior high school. <laughs> And uh, this little kid named Frank Houghton, Frank Houghton, was his friend. That turned out, he changed his name to Rocco. That's okay. Rocco. His right. name is Frank, Frank Houghton. Okay. He was a guitar player, but um, Castillo said he was horrible. He just Good sucked day. at guitar so bad. <laughs> so somebody said, give that boy a bass. He's terrible. This, we're talking like junior high school kids. Wow. So he's like 14. He switched to bass, and that's when he started. And that band kind of came turned into Tower Power. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, we're talking real early. So these cats went to went to great to middle school together. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, just we're talking the very beginning of them learning Word. music. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they became these like, uh, you know, just who they became is yeah. so amazing because they actually learned how to play together. Yeah. You know, so that's such an incredible thing. It sounded like they they I I thought they all went to like music school and met. You know, this well, is my own speculation. No, no, no. Uh, well, you're kind of right. From what I understand, um, somehow Castillo's father had the hookup. Okay. And they were even getting tutored. They were getting lessons from guys like Dave Brubeck Real and stuff. Real motherfuckers. Like, yeah. But like when they were kids. Yeah. So some reason, wow. there, there's some Monsters. kind of clinic or maybe they had like a lesson like in their living room or something. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. So you're kind of right. They kind of did come up in mu- music school together, yeah. but at a much younger age. Dope. Uh, anyway... So, you know, um, a big part of that sound is with Dave Giribaldi. Yes. So you got him on drums in Tower of Power. Mm-hmm. By the way, he was hit by a train three years Weren't ago. He's still with us. At the same time? No, no. So, okay. So I, that's what I thought too. But um, Rocco was in from a much longer time. Then when the first album was going to get made, East Bay Grease. No, no, no. Didn't they get hit by the train at the same time? Oh, sorry, sorry. I, I, sorry, I misunderstood you. Because they had a gig at Yoshi. No, I night. don't think so. Okay. I don't, I, it, was, it was a different, you're right. A bass player got hit. Yeah, you're right, by Yoshi's, right? Yeah. They got hit by a train. A bass player got hit, but it was not Rocco. Okay. Yeah, it was a different bass player. You're right. Okay. Sorry about that. I no misunderstood doubt. you. Yeah. No, they both got hit. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they're both still with us. 
anyway, what I was going to say, what I thought you were asking me about, is how he met Giribaldi or when he came in. I uh-huh. guess he came in the band right before East Bay Greece. Giribaldi did. Okay. Like maybe three months before, according to my research. And so that's when things really started to lock. And those guys became fast friends. Right. And if you guys don't know this, all you young kids thinking about music, the bass player and the drummer really got to feel each other for the music to be good. If they're mm-hmm. not, they don't have to be best friends, but if they're not clicking, it just doesn't work. And they clicked and it worked. And that's how Giribaldi was able to do much stuff, you know, because Rocco could kind of fill in and he could be kind of be that kick drum or that hi hat, right. you know, and he could right. go off a little bit more. Right. Um, so anyway, here's a pretty good uh, quote here that I have uh, from Rocco about playing with David Giribaldi. He says, this is Rocco, we met in the middle and it was magical. I think I was moving toward busier lines naturally, but he opened me up rhythm- rhythmically. I started adding notes and accents and playing with a sense of moving the music along. And um, I realized that playing more percussively with staccato notes seemed to lock better with Dave's drums. So dead notes and ghost notes became a big part of my style. Mm-hmm. So he kind of, a big part of his bass style developed because of the drums as well. Right. And him just sort of problem solving and figuring out how he should fit in. Um, I didn't know this, but supposedly he's an influencer of Jaco Pastores. Mm. I'm talking about Rocco was yeah. Rocco Jaco. Hey, Talk. that's kind of that's kind of interesting to that hear. Is. That's kind of that that's very different. <laughs> but I guess he inspired him. Okay. And but another guy, and I just I just let I can hear the, that. Yeah, okay. right. If, yeah. if you think about it, it's not obvious. But if you think yeah. about it, okay. Yeah. And then um, another guy who was heavily influenced by Tower Power rhythm section, which I did not realize was Morris Day from the time. Mm. And I read that in the book I just lent you, uh, yes. the Morris Day book. He said he was heavily influenced by that uh, in the 70s and was practicing to that as well. I guess starting in 2011, Rocco had some health problems. Unspecified. I, we never really learned what they were, but mm-hmm. they're pretty bad. And evidently, he had some life-saving surgery in 2014. Mm. Um. I was trying to think of what to play it by him to end today's show. Maybe Squib Cakes. Maybe Funkifies. You got to Funkifies. <laughs> or What is Hip? That's got the line. That's right. But uh, the one that I thought I should end on is uh, Soul Vaccination. I need what do you one think? of those. What's right. that? I need one of those. You right need now. a Soul Vaccination? Right now. <laughs> Okay, let's listen to Soul Vaccination. And by the way, you guys, don't forget, our next episode is going to be with Shirley Hayden. It's going to be for the new year. Enjoy the rest of the year, guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Stay Smell safe. you later.